Hi, I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. Welcome to Stages Podcast, where we're bringing creation and connection to center stage. Stages Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I love summer. Everybody knows that when you walk on the beach, you feel better, but did you know why? Every time a wave splashes on the sand, it produces something called negative ions that elevate our mood. But sometimes we need a little more guidance than the sun, sand, and surf can provide. That's where better help can come in. A good therapist can guide us to better understanding life's ebbs and flows. BetterHelp offers customized online therapy, either on video or live phone chat sessions. You can speak with someone in under 48 hours, and BetterHelp is more affordable than in-person therapy. Right now, Stages podcast members receive 10% off their first month with BetterHelp. So how about it? Get out in the sunshine, get some sand between your toes, and give BetterHelp a call. So many of our listeners have called BetterHelp, and we thank you, because when you support our sponsors, you support Stages Podcast, all while supporting your own well-being. So log on to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, slash Stages, and start loving life. We've been trying to do this for eons, and I've been so deeply busy, and my mother came home from having <laughs> dinner with you. The first she opens the door, she goes... Text Mary Lee right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ah! And, it was so uh, funny because at dinner we're talking. She's like, how come Sally's not on the show? I'm like, I've been asking her. She's so busy. She's not answering. Oh, I'll take care of that. And she did. <laughs> so, so she did. Text she said, Wednesday, you're seeing Mary Lee. Clear your so she texts me right back care. and I go, you're afraid of your mama, aren't you? You bet your ass I am. I'll be there on Wednesday. Just tell me what time. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's be very clear. I love my mother very much. I, I will be 60 years old and terrified of my mother. She's not a woman to be messed with, no matter, no, she is not. No matter not. who nope. you are to her. Nope. Nope. Mm-hmm. You want her on your team. That's all I'll say. Exactly. today's guest since she was about two weeks old. She's now 22 years old, and I would say she is one of the most formidable, courageous, and talented 22-year-olds that I have ever met. In 2019, she and her diva mother made history as the first mother-daughters in starring roles on Broadway at the same time. Her mother, La Chance, was in A Christmas Carol, and our guest was starring in Jagged Little Pill as Frankie Healy. She won the Antonio Award and the Grammy Award and was nominated for a Tony Award for that performance. She's now starring in the Paramount Plus original series, Star Trek Strange New World, as cadet Nyoto Uhura. Please welcome to Stages Podcast, the incredible Sally Rose Gooding. Sally Rose Gooding to stage, please. Ms. Gooding, please come to stage. Yay. <laughs> Thank you for that introduction. That makes me sound much cooler than I feel like I really am. <laughs> no, you really are super cool. Thank you. You know, I remember spending Christmas at your house when you were about 12 years old. And even then, even then at such a young age, you just command a room. You'd walk in and there's like an aura and an energy and a vibrancy that was undeniable. It's undeniable. All eyes sort of turn to you. And of course, that's how both you and your mother are on stage as well. Do you remember having that power or that essence at such a young age? Um, I remember having it. Yes, but I didn't think of it as a power. I, I I thought of it as something not necessarily wrong, but I thought it was, I I knew that I had something that the people around me didn't have. Mm -hmm. And that was at first when I didn't understand what it was and I didn't understand how I could utilize it. It was a really serious point of isolation for me because I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm a real loud, dramatic, bubbly uh, uh, person. And a lot of people around me don't know how to respond to that. Um, mm. A lot of my teachers when I was little did not know how to respond to that. A lot of my, my peers uh, <laughs> didn't know how to respond to that. And so once I got older and realized like, oh, if I can actually hone this in and craft it, I had a vibrance and, and a, and a, 
not brilliance academically, but brilliance in like how like metal and 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 things that shine can be brilliant to look at. I had mm-hmm. that and I felt it in my blood. And it's some it was just something that I didn't know how to deal with. So I, I went through my like years of of squandering it and trying to make it small. Um and then that wasn't sustainable. So I had to sort of face it and and live with it. And then I started working professionally. So it it, it all happened pretty fast. I started working professionally at like 17 and I was in high school and I realized like, oh, the thing that I thought was isolating me from my peers is actually the thing that I was like meant to tap into and and Mm -hmm. life with. So yeah. How much of that sort of it factor, I mean, that's what we would call it, right? An it factor. I think it's something that both you and your mother have. I mean, when you're on a stage, that's what the audience looks at. No matter what else is happening on stage, the eyes are drawn to you or to your mom because you have that sort of tangible electric thing that happens to certain people on stage. But how much of that would you say you attribute to growing up literally in dressing rooms and running around backstage, being surrounded by the vibrant, fun, sort of, you know, kind of crazy theater people that you grew up with. I mean, you grew up with um, that world. I would say it's a good 50-50 split. I would say 50% of it was just something that I had that I I couldn't shake even when I tried to. And then the other 50% of it was growing up and like living in dressing rooms and being surrounded by such incredibly iconic, but also just like so many strong people who were so confident within themselves or had this air of confidence within themselves. And there were things that I would see within myself and these other people and watching other people love it so much. And then seeing thousands and thousands of strangers pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars to go sit and watch people live in that thing that I was trying to, to stifle that really cracked my mind open of like, oh, no, I'm kind of sickening. Wait a minute. Right, I'm right. Time. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would say growing up and, and being surrounded by theater people and coming from a community of theater people, I was raised by my community and my community is filled with a lot of theater people. So, and having my community uplift that and pretty loudly and 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 almost embarrassingly cheer it on it pulled it out of me in a way that I didn't understand at the time but now that I'm older I realize that like if it weren't for my theater community I'd probably be a very very upset confused person doing something that I was not meant to do right because when you're in a space that says I see you you're allowed to be who you are and then that child can explore and embrace and find themselves in that beautiful noisy, encompassing and loving environment. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. I think that 50-50 Smith, maybe you didn't learn from them per se, you witnessed and that seed that already was within you grew because it was allowed to, you know what I mean? The garden was fertile where backstage and in that community for sure. Exactly. What's your earliest memory of seeing your mom up there? Oh, my earliest memory of seeing my mom on stage, uh, I would probably say, well, the the earliest memory that I have of seeing my mother on a stage was honestly sitting, I was like six years old, um, sitting in a hotel room watching my mom receive her Tony Award. That, Mm -hmm. that's like my first memory of seeing my mother on a stage and understanding like, oh, that's my mom. She's on stage and she's having a great time. Um, I I didn't get to, my mother didn't wa- want me and my sister watching a lot of her in The Color Purple for obvious reasons, simply because it's a heavy show, it's a heavy character. And But my first memory of seeing my mom on stage and being like, oh my God, she's having so much fun, um, was watching her receive the Tony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it was a, uh, a moment that I look back to often when I think of like what really sparked my love for theater. Things uh, progressed for you pretty early. I mean, you know, you're talking to some old ladies here. So (laughs) when we hear working professionally at 17, what did that look like for you? So you're in high school, you're actively auditioning or did little by little, like peeling an onion, did it just start to all happen? Um, it, It all started to happen right after my 17th birthday. 
I turned 17 in February 22nd and March came around and my mother was talking to me um, about this 29 hour reading. I had no idea what that was um, of this show called Jagged Little Pill that a dear friend of hers, Tom Kitt, was um, musically directing. She was like, they're looking for unheard of young black talent, like maybe put your name in. It's Alanis Morissette, like just think about it. They they would only need you for a reading. It wouldn't be a big thing, but they're getting down to the wire and they need somebody and they haven't found somebody yet. And I was like, okay. Uh, So I stopped. I was in the middle of a guitar lesson. I was like, hey, um, can we use these last 30 minutes of our lesson for you to uh, play You Ought to Know and me sing along in, in my ridiculously echoey basement with horrible acoustics. I didn't think anything would come of it. And that's when things really uh, uh, like springboarded was I did a 29 hour reading. I met the directing team, the creative team, and they were like, we need you for these days. Uh, I went to school. I was a junior in high school. And I was like, hey, um, so (laughs) I (laughs) have a proposition for you. Did the reading. I um, missed one day of the reading because my mother forced me to go to my junior prom because I I was so work minded at that point. I was like, I'm I'm working. I've got time for prom. (laughs) I felt the same way. So, yeah, I felt the same way. No, I never went to prom. Didn't have time. I'm trying to work. Um, and, and, And it was my first like really like paying gig, my first professional gig. It was just, I I was so hungry for it. I was like, I want to work. And my mother was Mm -hmm. like, no, you're going to have this, this normal human experience. Are you happy for that, that she forced you to do that? Yes. Yeah. Because I know why she did it in the moment. I still think like I could have used that extra day, but but I, I understand why she wanted me to go. I'm, I'm glad she did. I needed that. Um, yeah. uh, just because of, uh, uh, a myriad of reasons. Your mom knew what was in store for you. She knew. She knew there'd be plenty of work and there's one junior prom and she probably knew you weren't getting to your senior prom. And I didn't. And, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't. knew your mother had the foresight to say, you know what? There's, there's going to be work all the time. Let's yeah. just have this little last bit of high school squeezed in there before you get sucked into the vortex of, of all the exciting things that are coming your way. She knew exactly. your mom is a smart lady. She oh my knows. God. One of, one of the smartest ladies I know, but, uh, <laughs> she, she definitely, I, I'm sure that was her thought process and she made me go and I was excited to go and I looked great. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, uh, I left my prom early. I, my prom date was trying to get me to go to some after prom party. I was like, I have work in 12 hours good night to you, sir. <laughs> and, and I went home, went to bed and had the presentation the very next day. Listen, um, that prom date is dining out on the fact that he got to take you to prom. I'm yeah. telling you, right? He's going to be dining out on that for a long time. Hilarious. My goodness. So, yeah, was that your first submission though? Or had you been auditioning before that? I think that was my first submission. Wow. I, oh my gosh. Because my mother, she didn't, I think she didn't want me to get into theater that early. I wanted to start mm-hmm. auditioning. I was mm-hmm. begging her to start auditioning, but she was like, you have to get, you have to go to college, not college first. You have to at least finish high school first. You mm-hmm. have to get your high school degree first. She really wanted me to, to start working professionally after I got a college degree. She didn't get what she wanted there, but, <laughs> um, but she had the energy of like, listen, theater will always be there. Broadway will always be there and they will be very lucky to have you, but you have to get an education first. And I had my opinions on it, but uh, she was right as she always is. Yeah. I think that was one of the first things I like professionally submitted for and they liked me and I worked with that show for, oh God, three, four years. Yeah, almost four years I worked with that show and it was my first professional credit and it was my uh, j- just the workshops and then the the out of town tryout at ART in Cambridge was the, that took place during my senior year and senior year of high school. I went to them again and I was like, hey, remember that <laughs> uh, last year for a week and and how much of, of a fight it was to get me to to, to, to just go for a week. I want to leave for three months Um, and and they let me, which was incredible. I think they had an understanding of like, if the show does well, 
it would be great to have an alumni in in a well-credited Broadway show because just the school that I went to, the arts program was the last thing thought about. It was Is it a public public school system? No, um, I went no to a private school in, in Terrytown. I went to Hackley School. Shout out to the, Hack, the Hackley Okay. School. Go Hornets. I um, went to them and I was like, listen, please, 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 please. The show is going to do super great. I, I really want to do it. And my teachers knew that I was going to be an artist. I think my like the administration at my school knew that I was going to be an artist. And so I think they knew that it was in their best interest to get me out of the door early so that they could a have an alumni in a show that's done really well. And also Mm -hmm. have someone who's in the arts, who doesn't feel as though their school held them back. They were like, okay, we're going to put you on a pass fail system. Please pass your classes, go to Boston, have fun. Your senior project will be this you'll do an, a, you, you'll write something about it uh, and you'll have a meeting with your teachers about it and you'll get your diploma. So um, your senior project was actually writing about the experience. Uh, I had to do like a presentation for some of my teachers, but yeah, I think um, they, they did what any good teaching community would do. And they let me go do the thing that I was born to do. I wish more schools operated that way, that they saw what, 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 is the kids, you know, superpower, if you want to call it that. And because not all kids are academically gifted where they can memorize and regurgitate. And if, and if schools, if there was some way for kids to, to be put, put into different little categories of what they're really, how they shine, do they learn with, with working with their hands? Do they learn through music? How do they learn? I just think we would this the whole country would benefit because I think kids get really discouraged when you take this sort of this sort of an essence and you try to shove it into a different kind of box. Yes. Yeah. It just doesn't work. And then yeah. they get discouraged and hate school. There exactly. are pedagogies where that practical learning and that service sort of learning, we're going, oh, I recognize the innate talent in this person. Let's skew the lessons so that they understand it. They feel yeah. like they're really embracing that sort of learning. We recently took a vacation to Norway and there were a lot of people from the UK and, and France. And we met this couple and they had taken their son out of school for a week just to take this vacation. Mm -hmm. And each parent had to pay the school a hundred, the equivalent of $150 a piece for every day this child was missing school. So unless it's like a scheduled holiday within the, uh, the school schedule, or it's a day of bereavement or a sick day, each parent has got to pay $150. The school is being supplemented by the government in mm-hmm. some way, and they get that money because of attendance, because of test scores, because of the, all of those numbers that add up in bureaucracy. Yeah. And if you're going to miss, then you have to supplement them out of your own pocket because wow. that child is not attending. And wow. I thought, oh my God, that's very, that was one time where I looked at Europe and went, Ooh, you're stricter in that regard than yeah. here in the States. That mm-hmm. seemed yeah. like a a costly venture. We'd owe the school a fortune because we <laughs> we would pull Seb out all the time because to me, it was a way better education mm-hmm. to get, spend a week in, you know, a, a foreign country and eat the food and try exactly. to figure out the language as a little kid. Like to me, that's way more important than reading from a book, but agreed. Yeah. You know. yeah. Agreed. So, Sally, you just wrote a piece in The Hollywood Reporter. So, Nichelle Nichols passed away and they asked you to come write a piece. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, originally, it wasn't even supposed to be me who wrote it. The Hollywood Reporter reached out to Alex Kurtzman, the, like, executive, executive, executive producer of uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And it was right after Nichelle's death. And they said they asked me like we're looking to hear from someone who who is uh on the star trek team just some words to honor nichelle and he was like do you want to write an op-ed for the hollywood reporter they need it tomorrow and i'm like wow sure i haven't written anything since i was a a a high schooler i i didn't do a lot of writing in college um i tried to avoid that as much as i could So I called my high school creative writing teacher, who was one of the teachers who really, really advocated for me to go and to work 
Um, and she helped me out. She helped me write the entire thing. We, uh, I spoke to her that night. I like wrote something out. She, I sent it to her. She read it and edited it and sent it back to me. And I wrote some more and then I sent it to the Hollywood Reporter people. But it very much like the stress of writing it down and being like, that's when I think all of these years, we, I, I filmed two seasons of the show already. Writing that paper was when it really like clicked to me who I was and who I was playing and what legacy I was stepping into. When I had to read about it and then write about it in my own words, that's when I was like, oh, I'm Uhura. Her legacy, the legacy that was was built upon the establishing of this character is the same character I'm playing. Mm -hmm. So ridiculously overwhelming. Was that your angle? like stepping into the shoes or understanding the character or uh, how Nichelle was such a trailblazer? What was the angle? Maybe all of those things. It was all of those things. And also it was the angle of being a black woman in a predominantly white space and making a way for yourself and also holding the door open for the people behind you. That was my angle of like, I used to grow up as a young girl looking up to a lot of incredible people and dreaming that I could be one of those people, but going to school and being surrounded by people who did not share my lived experience and people who were represented and people who could see themselves in the world around them and people who weren't trying to stifle anything um, or, or trying to, there were people who saw themselves in the world and therefore felt as though they could live in the world freely. I did not have that advantage. Um, because that's what it is. It, it, it is an advantage. And so putting myself, uh, really reckoning with that and, and wrestling with that. And then talking about Michelle's experience, who was someone who w- didn't even want to continue being in Star Trek as long as she was. She mm-hmm. saw what they were doing with her character and she was like, this isn't what I want to do. But it was Dr. King who inspired her and spoke life into her experience and was like, listen, we need you. We need you to keep going. We need you to represent us in a way that is not in servitude and and enslavement. We need positive representation because until we see ourselves in the world, we will not find reason to exist in the world. And that was my angle of like, it's all about representation and permission. Nichelle is not only the reason why I'm playing this character, but she's the reason why I have a career. She was breaking down barriers by simply existing and also fighting her inner demons that were brought up by not seeing herself in the world. And yeah, I think you I think you said in the article, you know, to to have a woman represent someone who wasn't a sidekick or being abused in some way or being the maid or being the second class citizen. This was a woman who stood on her own two feet. And and to see that as a as a black woman playing that role at that time was a completely unique experience. Yeah. Right? And I'll, I'll take yeah. it even one further. Huda to me wasn't just capable like she was exceptional, she was right? Essential right. To the and person. they, do you feel as an actor that they, the producers, the writers are giving you that same opportunity? I remember somebody, a fellow actor saying you speak 12 languages and you respond 37. So <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that that language and those opportunities are there to say, no, no, I'm not just here to, you know, make it all run smoothly. I am exceptional. It yeah. happens because of my presence in this space. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, we, uh, I, I, as an actor understand that that's where we're going, but as a character, we're seeing her at her, like, very beginning kernel stages yeah. of her not yeah. even understanding the power that she has. And I find that so yummy. But this because- is so interesting because it's the same thing we were, you were just talking about yourself. That yeah. You had this aura, you had this power. You didn't know what it was, but you, you, you understood it had some effect on people as you encountered them in your world. And she, it's like a mirror of what you actually went through as your own young, young I'm a bit of a person. I'm a bit of a Star Trek purist. My dad watched yeah. all the time. Yeah. And the marriage between who you are. Now, I'm not even going to pretend that I know you personally, but what I get from you on the screen and in interviews, written word, the marriage is amazing. Thank the marriage you. of the energy is amazing. 
Thank you. I have been blessed with opportunities to play characters who have shared an experience that I've lived, but to also mirror and study my own experience in a way that I wasn't able to do in high school. I, I, I had such a like a survival mindset in high school that I really didn't have an opportunity to step back and say, how am I doing? How am I feeling? What's going on in the world around me? How do I respond? And see them and really tap back into those incredibly emotional spaces that I didn't feel safe existing in when they were my real lived experience. But now I'm older, going back to that sort of mindset and being like, oh, this is incredibly recognizable. I know exactly what this is. I know exactly where they are. I know exactly who this person is and what they're dealing with. And not only can I have this experience for them, I can also have it for young me. It's wild to play a young girl, not understanding the power that she has, second guessing herself every day, trying to figure out what's worth it and what isn't, and still being charged to keep going and having people around her who are like, hey, you may not believe in you, but we do. And having those almost exact same conversations that I had when I was little, but didn't have the the mental capacity to stick with. But I got a pop quiz for you. Do you know what, do you know what Uhura means in Swahili? It does. It means freedom. Yes, ma'am. Her full name name means star freedom. And I really do feel I'm going to (laughs) cry. I really do feel that this moment, this character, it is freeing of a star within me that I didn't even understand. This role has allowed me to free myself in a way that I really don't think I would I, I would have been able to if I didn't have Dragon and if I didn't have this experience. And if I yeah. did go through my high school and adolescent life trying to stifle the star. All right. Well, speaking of stars, I know you're really into astrology and stuff. I am. All right. So we got to talk a little about this because yes. a couple of weeks ago, Stephanie and I were playing with um, the Destiny card book. Do you mm-hmm. know that book? We were playing uh-huh. with that. With I, I, I I don't. Destiny. Oh, okay. I'll send it to you. Please it's, do. It's, you, your, your birth date matches up with a card, like from the card deck. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Like I'm nine of diamonds. And so anyway, five of clubs. Um, cool, yeah. Cool. So, and then it's broken down into like sections for the year and you can mm-hmm. see like, what your section is but let's talk about astrology how'd you yeah. get into that um I got into it because I I got into astrology the same reason I got into theater I am very desperate to find myself and feel explained and understandable mm. um because so much of my life I went through the world feeling deeply misunderstood because a lot of the, Mary Lee you know a lot of things in in my life have happened just for the sake of happening my my father passing, my stepfather being the worst person alive, um, my school experience going the way it did. There was just so much of my life happening around me and me not understanding why. And I yeah, there's a lot of turmoil for a young person. A lot of turmoil. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and I desperately needed something to feel concrete and and undeniably truthful and that was astrology to me i would read my signs and i would read my my entire birth chart and i'd be like oh this is why i am the way that i am because of the stars in the sky and i found that in reading my birth chart and then reading my loved ones birth charts it gave me an understanding of like oh maybe life isn't all completely random by chance mm-hmm. Maybe there are some things that are destined. Maybe there are some things that are explainable. Maybe there is a reason and a cause for things. And that gave me such an overwhelming amount of peace. And now it it is just another tool of communication. It's something that I use to help better understand myself. And it's something that I use to help better understand the people around me. I think it helps life feel less random and out of control. Yeah. Right. When you feel like, well, there's some things that 
really are without, like not in my control. And then other things are just going to happen inside this space and it, and this will pass. Mm-hmm. And so, so do you do like rituals with the full moon and all of that kind of thing? I used to, I used to, I, I used to really do the whole, um, not like, like put out all my crystals under a full moon and water bottles so I could have new moon water and full moon water. Yeah. Then just because my life sped up and, and I didn't, I found it right before I started working professionally. And then I started working professionally. And because of the security that a job provides, I felt as though I had a bit more control over my life. So I didn't need to try and will the universe into, into following my destiny. I, I, I put a little bit more faith in the universe and trust in the universe and let it sort of guide me. The amazing thing now is you're up uh, this is, I'm going to be such a nerd, but now you're in the stars. Yes, Your whole yes, life yes. is in the stars in the sky and you're traveling the universe. Like, so for me, <laughs> uh, I know that sounds silly, but I feel like it's all part of the fabric oh my God, it's all connected. To where you needed to, to be right. It's all connected. I look, I look at Sebastian, my husband, and he, um, he went to school for political science. Everything was going to be that government laws. He didn't think he wanted to be president. Well, he definitely knew he didn't want that. He didn't want law, but every time he auditioned for something that was politically minded, whether it was house of cards or Madam secretary, immediately it felt like home to him. He -hmm. would get cast. And it's because of everything that led up to that moment, informed that moment, the people that made the decision saw that and went, oh, well, this of course makes sense. They saw the stars in you. They saw all your your beliefs in the astronomy. It's always there. I I love it. I completely agree with you. The universe sends you signs and clues about your future. And you probably won't even realize it was a sign and a clue until you're in the moment they were trying Mm -hmm. to to, to clue you about. So my college dorm with my best friend to this day was 1107. That was our room number. The number of the enterprise ship that I work on is 1701, which are the same digits that make up 1107. Come on now. Like the, the the walls of the room, my childhood bedroom ended up being the same color they used for a lot of the advertising for Jagged Little Pill. I had like a tapestry of a left hand and it had all the lines for the planets and the playbill for Jagged Little Pill ended up being a left hand. It was and your oh, left wow. hand, wasn't it? My hand. It, it was, it was like, your it, left hand. It was my oh, hand. Wow. And so just, I think it was the, 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 the image or having that tapestry right by my bed that I slept and faced every single night, faced the poster, the, 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 the background of the playbill ended up being the walls of my room, superimposed behind the hand, like my childhood bedroom had been for years. This is like one of those simulation moments where you oh just go, are we really living or are we in a simulation? And so there I just are so up, many moments like that. Are we noticing the stars that I wore? I mean, I it's do some, it's, okay, it. all right. I it do appreciate the stars. Thank you. I really, really Thank do. You. I appreciate I love it. A, I love a good theme. So yeah, yeah it, theme. it looks great. It looks fantastic. So my next question is young powerful black woman in this industry. What do you wish? I mean, whether you like it or not, you are now a voice for yeah. what the change needs to look like moving yeah, forward. My God, that's crazy. What would you like to see? I think for the protection and uplifting of not just black women and femmes, but people everywhere, because at the end of the day, once one community finds positive representation, it influences and allows other communities to find that same representation as well, not just on stage, not just on screen. It is important that the diversity that we're looking for on stage is also the diversity we're looking for off stage, off screen, behind the scenes, because I think it would have been very beneficial for me to have a another Black person in a position of power to go to and say, hey, these are some things that I'm dealing with and would like to see changed. What I needed was someone who could say, oh, as someone who, who, who has lived your same experience, I know exactly what this feeling is. Here's how you can put words to it in a professional environment. As more shows get closer and closer to having diverse casts, what I'm afraid of is that the cast will be the only thing focused on. If they're telling stories written by people who are writing for their experience but do not share their experience or do not even have consultants that share their experience, stories become pigeonholed. 
if the world we are trying to represent also is reflected by the world of the people building it, that is a dream. That's the dream. Are you going to work on anything on stage while you're around? Maybe a little would, cabaret, maybe a little something, something. We can I would see. love to. I think right now what I'm really focusing on is my mental and emotional health. We're living in wild times, team. My instinct is to ostrich my head in the sand with work and, and creativity. And while that's great, then while that's my safe haven, it's also very exhausting. And then the shock of having to eventually take my head out of that sand and be like, mm. who am I? When I'm not playing another person, how do I return Mm. to me? That's what I'm focusing on right now, because it would be, yes, it is my dream to, to get right back into another job. But if my, if my want to get right back into another job is because I'm trying to avoid stuff Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. is something that I'm like, hold on, what are we trying to avoid? Because the thing that I'm trying to avoid will not go away. If I start, I'll be, I mean, that's a really mature and worldly attitude for someone so young to be able to recognize that about themselves and their own patterns. How do I want to soothe myself in a way that is helpful and healthy for my long, long long-term life? Not just the short term of like, this feeling is too big. Let's go do a job. I I'm trying to toe that line right now. I have a great thing that you can meditate on for the next six or seven months or however Mm -hmm. long it is. There's this great yoga saying that says your destiny is written on the inside of your third eye. And once you've quieted your mind, you'll read your destiny. I need to write that down. Can you Isn't that a good one? Yeah, can you say that to me? (laughs) Your destiny is written on the inside of your third eye. When you learn to quiet your mind, you'll be able to read it. Yeah. Isn't that a cool one? That's what I'm trying to quiet my mind right now with all of all the noise and the hubbub, everything that's happening. What I'm trying to do right now is I'm in trying to listen to myself and honor my feelings. The work that we do on ourselves is just as important as the work you get paid to do, right? It's just as difficult and it's just just as difficult. And And it's more important because as you connect with yourself as a human, as a young, powerful woman, your work will only become more fruitful and more important. And you'll be able to always deeper, deeper, and you'll be able to offer back to the world that thing that you're so clearly craving. Yeah. 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 So taking time to say, no, I'm not going to do anything for the next six months that I'm going to get paid for, but I am going to work on me. And exactly. So that I can return to, to what I love doing with not only a love for what it does for me, but a love for what I can do for it. That's right. Yeah. That's why it's so always, nice. they're paired together, the arts and humanities. They're always yeah. together. Yes, and they if are. We, if we can connect those two, then we're doing what we were born to do, for okay. sure. And now it's time for the five questions. If you could have any question answered, what would it be? Oh God, if I could have any question, I'd like uh, 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 so many, so many. Will I know for sure when I am at peace? Mm. Will there ever be a moment in my life where I don't question the peace around me? That's, I mean, I often wonder that too. Am I really at peace or am I ignoring something? I do that to myself all the time. Am I really at peace or am I just ignoring what I don't want to know? Yeah. I, I ask myself that often. That's Can a I bring one. that back around though? When you are at peace, that's the universe handing you a gift. We need to look back at the universe and say, thank you. If you're doing yeah. otherwise, you are denying the universe you know, and denying, who are we denying, to get in the way of the right. universe? And oh, it, it may just be a moment. It's not going to last for long, but at least in that moment, accept the gift and really see it as true. Then in the next five minutes, something can change, but sit in that gift. But sit in the gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Celia, if we were to go into your closet, is there a garment, a piece of jewelry, something that you will never get rid of because of the memories that it holds? Yeah, my dad's ring. Um, It's it's in my it's my dad's wedding band, Um, and my mother gave it to me for a graduation gift, and she gave it to me on a necklace. Yeah, that that I think that's something I would never get rid of. If uh, your life were a book, what's this chapter called that you're in right now? 
my intergalactic era. Oh, <laughs> I love it. So I've curated a question that mm-hmm. is specific just to you. Okay. Yeah. Today, are you cozy, energy, or Virgo's groove? Oof. Just one. You can only choose no! one. Um, <laughs> just one? Just, just oh one. Um, can, I, can, can I have a write-in answer? It, uh, today, I... Um, yeah, I, you don't I, have to be one of those three. Today, I am... Today, I'm an alien superstar. Oh, yes. <laughs> alien superstar... Oh, empowerment yeah yeah um but um <laughs> i would say yeah i'm in i'm in my aliens i'm in my alien superstar totally that's I what came love in. it all right last question if you were a nail polish color what color would you be and what would the cheeky little name be i would be a deep brown like my skin um but it would have an iridescence to it a blue a green a purple but it would be brown at its core, like the scales of a fish. Like it has a color, uh-huh. but but mm-hmm. it reflects. And I would call it, I would call it Afro Neptunian Merwitch. That's very much, that's very much how I see myself. I see myself very much as an Afro Neptunian Merwitch. So that's what does I that creature other than you? Does that creature exist? <laughs> well, Ursula was a sea witch. Um, oh, I guess you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You are the best. Totally. Ever. I'm Thank so happy much. that you came and spent an hour with us. I really appreciate it. I love you. I love you both very, 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 We're very, honored. very, 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 very much. See y'all later. Thank you so, so much. Bye. Coming up next, what struck a chord with us right after this break? Y'all, Stages is now sponsored by BetterHelp, and I couldn't be more excited because I love therapy. So I encourage you, if you've had a tough year and a half, (laughs) why don't you give them a shot? You can find a therapist that you can connect with. Their resource is thousands of therapists well-trained and experienced. You can keep looking until you find someone that you click with. They have customized online therapy. They do offer videos, but they also offer phone and live chat sessions. So you don't even have to be seen. You can only be heard. What are you waiting for? Go to BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P.com slash stages. And for our cast members, you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash stages. Go, go, go. Go find your healing. Go find your happy. Stages podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P. She's the cutest. What does that feel like to know a human being, other than being the mother of a little person, but for two weeks and then watching that human turn into what, who we just had on the show? Yeah. It's, it's, it's like watching your, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's like watching my own kid because I wouldn't ever, you know, take that that. claim. Right. But when she, on the night that the jagged little pill opened at the ART, LaShance and I went together and when she came out, oh my gosh, I'm getting all welled up just telling it. When she came out, we just grabbed hands because I know what LaShance went through to raise that little one, you know, in the, with the loss of her husband. We just grabbed hands and we both just started bawling because for all of it, for the joy, for the sadness that Cal wasn't there, her dad, um, for the brilliance that we knew that was about to just shine for like a huge light. It was just, it's, it's, she's a wonderful kid, you know? Um, We're not betraying anything if we let our listeners know that um, LaShawn's lost her husband and Celia lost her dad as September 11th in the Twin Towers. Yes. And she was pregnant with her sister Zaya at the time. Mm-hmm. So LaShance was pregnant and Celia was just a baby. And they've been through a lot, you know, that those three, they're like the three musketeers and they're, they're an incredible little unit. Her sister Zaya is formidable herself. The girl is brilliant. Taught herself Japanese. Hi. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh yeah. No, the, the sister is brilliant. Brilliant. Um, also musical though, too. I think she like plays instruments and uh, they're, they're just an incredible family. 
But there was one line she said that I wanted to ask you. She, when um, we were talking about what sparked love for theater, when she talked about that. Yes. What was the first moment where you, you know, what that's, that set off that little spark? Of, for me? Of, yeah. Mm. I didn't see a lot of live theater before I started to do it. Um, my family certainly was musical, but I think it was on Sundays, there would be the family film festival and we would gather as a family and it could be a, a, an old MGM musical, or it could be a black and white, you know, um, uh, serious movie. I was always so moved by the musicals. Wizard of Oz, as cliche as it sounds, is one of those. They would play it twice a year. I feel like around Easter time and around mm -hmm. Christmas time. And that to me, and I was like, oh, who is that girl, Judy Garland? Mm -hmm. Why does she make it seem like I could be her and she is me? So well, it kind of looked like you even with the dark hair and the, it, yeah. Yeah. So I think that was it. It wasn't a live presentation. It was uh, every Sunday with the Family Film Festival. What about you? Well, I mean, I was way into the old MGM musicals too. Yeah. Like, I think I've told you this before as a little kid, when um, Danny Kaye came on the screen, I just, I was in love. And I would just stand there and stare at the TV because I loved him so much. But when I was probably about nine or 10, my mom took me to see My Fair Lady on tour in one of the big, beautiful houses in Boston. And I sat in that chair listening to the orchestra, you know, tune up and looking at the gold leaf on the ceiling. And, and they came out and I just looked at her and said, wait, this is someone's job. Like, this is a job. I have to do this job. This is the job I want to do. And that for me was the moment where I was just like, no, no. Okay. If this is a possible job, I'm in, I'm so in. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was such a clear moment. I remember thinking that. Well, I got chills because when we asked Celia about her poignant memory and it was LaShawn's accepting the Tony Award, uh, Vivi was I just the same five. Thing. But, you know, there were always these times I thought somebody wrote me a note and said it had to be now because your child had to be there to see you win. That's why I think it's waited until this exact moment. And if Vivi can hold on to that memory of seeing me joyful, seeing me purposeful, seeing me, I don't know, just being embraced by a community, if that can reflect in her somehow, she's got to be picking up these moments like of backstage and, you know, and we'll see how that does manifest itself in her life. But I want her to have that safe space where, because she does think out of the box and she is is beautifully cuckoo in so many ways, atypical in so many ways, musical. I asked her, she's like, mama, how many songs do you think I've sung in my whole life? And I was like, <laughs> one, because you never stop singing. It's been one song, my love. One very and long, very long song. Oh. She barely breathes. So that a community and an environment that can embrace her energy like that. When I saw Celia, it really just warmed my soul because I thought that is, you know, 20, not well, not even 20 years ago, whatever, 17, 16 years ago, yeah. that was Celia with LaShawn's. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? She's going to have so many more of those, those moments. I mean, my son last night, um, so he's 17 and I've been doing, um, I, he's never really seen me perform, not very much. Right. So let me do a little thing here, a little thing there. He's seen little videos of things, but for most of his youth, I was not performing. I've been doing this thing called the moth radio hour. Do you know That's that? That's right. That yes. Podcast? The okay. stories. So I've been going to their slams, their live slams, because I'm writing something. So I'm using this as like a practice to help hone the writing skills of what I'm trying to do. And so sometimes you get called up. And so I've gone to a couple and la last night I went to a third one and I had an extra ticket. And I just sort of said to my son, do you want to come? I got a ticket. And he's like, yeah, I'll come. I was like, you will. <laughs> he's like, yeah. So he jumped in the car. I couldn't believe that he was even interested in coming. And we went and there's like three, three, 400 people in, wow. in the room. And he's kind of looking around the room and he's like, huh, you know, sort of, it's like a very NPR crowd. Right. And so he's looking around the room going, huh, this is not what I pictured. This is not what I pictures, but I, I ended up getting called up and I got called up and I told a funny story. And so for him to see 
And he said, why do you want to do this? And I said, I want to do it because it scares the bejeebas out of me. Yeah, good for and you. And I've decided to start doing things that scare me instead of not. And so even at 17, and it, it's not a Broadway show, but it's a life experience that they see you jump into, which gives them the courage to jump into the experiences in their in own In a life. very vulnerable experience. Yeah. Oh, very now, vulnerable. having Seb in the audience, did that make you more nervous or did you feel supported? Well, this is what's so, this is what's so interesting to me about it. And I think why I needed to, to, to have these experiences with it. Um, for years when I was performing, if you told me to go out into a curtain speech, I'd break out in hives, absolutely panic. So for me to go out and be me and tell a story about me is a big turning shifting point. And I think I built it up in my head so long that once I decided, I just decided I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to express who I am, period. And then I just went out and did it. And it wasn't scary at all. I couldn't wait to get up. I was really excited to share my story. And it didn't, usually when I would get so nervous because someone in the audience that I knew, it didn't bother me at all. Good for you. And I bring my friend Lori, who is the funniest with the best laugh in the world. And she's one of those sort of um, tried and true friends. She she would never be critical. She would only be supportive, you know? And so she was the first one I brought with me for my very first time. Cause I was like, dude, I need you to be here. She's like, I'm there. I'm with you. And so now she comes to all of them. I said, you don't have to come to this one. She's like, what are you kidding me? I'm totally addicted. When's the next one? So <laughs> it's really quite a fun experience, you know? And so the whole point of that story was to say, you know, Vivi's going to see you in so many other moments in your life that will make her see you in a different light and therefore give her courage to present herself in different lights throughout her life. Yeah. Last night we were on a plane and I was editing another one of these episodes, right? You had sent me your edited version. I'm mm-hmm. sitting there. Vivi's lying on my lap cause it's a red eye. She's just about to go to sleep. And literally I am spewing times at you going, okay, for, so cut from minute 29, 36 to <laughs> 31, ta, 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 uh, so that it should flow like this. And I did that for about four or five minutes in that pace. And she looked up at me and she's like, you sounded really smart, mom. And I thought, oh, <laughs> that would not have been what I considered a moment where she got to see me in wearing a different hat. Yeah. But I was, you know, yeah, and she, she knows awesome. and loves who you are. She knows and loves Stages podcast, although she's never heard an episode, but she knows mama goes to work in the office and does this. But to, to, to watch her little brain try to make sense of all these crazy numbers and sentences mm-hmm. and cut twos, and she just no expression, just, wow, you sound really smart, mom. (laughs) (laughs) All right, girl. I love you. I love you too. This was a wonderful interview. I'm so glad you told LaShawn so she could lovingly strong arm Celia and we could get her on here because it's great. It's great to hear from someone younger. It's great to hear from someone who is in the process of doing it and also in the process of wanting to find herself. I just, I loved this interview on so many levels. So if this episode resonated with you, please follow, subscribe, and share. You can always find us at stagespodcast.net. A big thank you goes out to our assistant and doer of all things technical, Saren Cho. Thank you to Noah Kaiserman and Garrett Healy for our beautiful original music, Melanie Von Trapp for our Stages Podcast logo, Brock Grenfeld, our sound engineer, and Allison Arns, our PR and social media expert. And thank you, our cast members, for joining us today. We hope you come back next week.